Welcome to Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak, where we explore the tools and tactics that drive improvement. If you're hungry for more and better, if you want to move past hype and discuss how, you're in the right place. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine. My guest today is a remarkable man and also someone who's had massive impact on me personally. I'm speaking today with Mark Miller. Mark Miller, there's a few of them out there. This particular Mark Miller is the Vice President of High Performance Leadership at Chick-fil-A's corporate headquarters, uh, what they call the Support Center. Uh, In fact, Mark was my direct supervisor when I ended up working there. I had worked with a lot of great leaders, but in my last big stint doing the organizational effectiveness work I did there, I did it directly working for Mark Miller, and he became a personal friend and a significant mentor in my life. His career at Chick-fil-A began over 40 years ago as an hourly team member in one of the local restaurants. Shortly thereafter, he became the 16th corporate employee in his first job, was working in the warehouse. So not uh, your typical corporate path. And since that day, he's worked all across the business from corporate communications, quality team, leading restaurant operations, training and development, leadership development, and more. Uh, And for the last 20 years, Mark's focus really has been on leadership and performance and excellence, uh, helping build that. He's also uh, taught nationally, internationally for for-profit, non-profit, and he has written uh, eight and counting books. So today, more than a million of his books are in print in 25 plus languages. In fact, it was working for him where I first kind of learned, got inspired and started doing my own writing. So Mark, who has been uh, a family friend and an inspiration and just an all-around awesome guy is joining me today. So welcome, a great conversation with uh, someone who's one of my favorite humans, Mark Miller. Mark, it's always great hanging out with you, man. Thanks for spending a little time with me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, I will say it's uh, it's probably long overdue that we've recorded one of these conversations. I mean, I think it was just last week we were on the phone again, having another conversation, talking about life and leadership and your books and culture and all the fun stuff, uh, but I don't know that we've ever recorded any of these things. Um, I, and I will say, we've had some great conversations. Over, I, will, I, I don't know what they were like for you, but for me, some of my favorite life and leadership conversations uh, over the years have come with you uh, at great restaurants around the country or uh, at leadership events we were both at, um, or just sitting in the office. So um, yeah, yeah it, it's kind of a Kind of a long time coming uh, and a treat for me to capture some of this. So thanks, Mark. Well, thanks for the opportunity. And we probably need to make a note. We should record more of our conversation. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I, I'm okay with that plan. Yeah. So speaking of where we go, like there's a million places we could do, but I, what I'd actually love to do is just start with your latest book. Um, we may end up recording a lot more conversations. That'd be awesome. But your book seems to have struck a chord, um, and I, I heard you say this once, and I think it, it really is true about this book, that it's both timely and timeless. So your latest book is uh, Culture Rules, The Leader's Guide to Creating the Ultimate Competitive Advantage. So how is this book on culture both timely and timeless? 
Well, we started this work several years ago. We're all, my team is all, and you'll remember this, we're always trying to look to the near future. And then occasionally we'll even look over the horizon and yeah. try to figure out what are the issues that are, are are emerging or may emerge so that we can try to get ahead of them to serve our leaders and leaders around the world. And several years ago, we identified culture as one of those uh, topics. Hmm. We saw what you might consider weak signals that more and more leaders were thinking about and talking about culture. And so as we discussed it, we said, well, culture's always been important. And we think it will always be important. Fair. So let's make this our our focus, our topic of uh, research, and uh, ultimately it would be- become a book. And then COVID hit, <laughs> and I, I know COVID yeah. wreaked havoc on the world. I mean, I got that, and I don't want to minimize that. But COVID did something else. It surfaced a lot of issues. Hmm. Mm. If you think about putting a pipe under pressure. If it's got cracks in it, even hairline cracks, that pressure will expose those. And COVID certainly brought its share of pressure. So it's timeless in that culture has always been important and it always will be important. But with all of the pressure that organizations were under, the cracks were visible for all to see. Yeah, the things- I cannot tell you how many leaders want to talk about culture now, because in a <laughs> post-pandemic world, they know those cracks are there because they were they were obvious to everyone under all that pressure. Yeah, things we could ignore before, minor annoyances, but you, you could write them, ah, it's not that big of a deal. We're still getting it done, right? Hitting the numbers, start becoming big. Deal. So let me just double click on this one briefly. Like what, because I might have folks listening, like, what do you mean? What kind of pressures? What kind of cracks? How does culture problems show up in an organization? How would a leader know if, if man, hey, my culture's under pressure and maybe, maybe it doesn't have the strength I was hoping it would have? Like, what, what do those symptoms look like? Well, first of all, I think you've got to decide, and, and you may have already decided, what is, what is your aspiration? What kind mm-hmm. of culture are you trying mm-hmm. to create? And so these cracks and these gaps and these opportunities are when you're falling short of that aspiration. Yeah. Now, there are any number of contributing factors uh, in the book. We we actually refer to them as toxins. Right. Uh, patterns of unhealthy and unproductive behavior. Hmm. And those are the kind of things that left unchecked will metastasize. They become maladies and they can kill your organization. And so um, it can be everything from uh, an unhealthy level of internal competition to lack of collaboration or in our world, a loss of procedural discipline. I mean, any number of things that you say, you know, that's not healthy, that's not productive, and it's not a one off. There's a pattern and those behaviors and their underlying beliefs are inhibiting us, preventing us, and creating obstacles for us to reach our cultural aspiration. Yeah. And I I love this because, man, I think culture, it's super important. It's super valuable. We've all talked about it. But I think for many, many leaders, it stays in this uh, fluffy, vague zone. Like, I don't know, I guess it's the feeling of my people or some sort of attitude, but like they don't know how to, to they don't even know how yeah. to identify it, let alone like right. what to do about it. Right. And so right. 
So you feel overwhelmed and you feel, I don't know, maybe I'm just projecting my own issues on others, right? But I felt overwhelmed, like, ah, oh, I cross my fingers and hope my culture works. Like, how do we go from this um, passive culture happens to me space to where like, hey, I can actually create culture. Is that possible? And and what do you do in that scenario? Yeah, it's absolutely possible. And that is that is not where we started, but that's where we moved very quickly as our research uh, began to unfold. Uh, some of your listeners would appreciate the fact that we ended up talking to over 6,000 folks from 10 countries, either talk to or survey. Wow. This is like a global deal because we were trying to figure out what is universally true. Hmm. And hmm. I know you'll appreciate this as an author. I work really hard not just to document my personal bias. Right. Yes. Yes. I can. Now, I can't. I can't promise you that I remove all of my. I was, was going to say it creeps in, but but we don't start there. And exactly. so we say, what is universally true about this? And we we discovered this might be a blinding flash of the obvious. Seventy-two percent of the leaders in the U.S., sixty-seven percent globally say culture is the most powerful tool at their disposal to drive performance. Wow. Which is one reason in the book, we don't spend a lot of word count because 70% of leaders are already convinced. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was not the insight. We asked those leaders to rank their priorities. Creating and maintaining culture in the U S came in at number 12. Okay. So let me just make sure I'm hearing this. They're they're overwhelmingly saying it is the most powerful performance factor. And then you right. ask what are the priorities they're working on, and it, it barely makes it to 12. It doesn't even crack the top 10. Like that is correct. And can that I that is correct? Like there's a there's a, a wake-up call for all of us right there. Like, I'll process this myself. Like let's get tactical, right? Listen, there are many, many months when I don't make it to items. 11 and 12 on my priority list. Like it just, right. it's too busy. I mean, we, we were just talking about this last week, right? There's a lot of beautiful things happen in my life. Not only are we launching books and programs and all sorts of the normal stuff of life. I've got three kids graduating something this year, including our first high school graduate. It's glorious. It's exhausting. Um, you know what? Priorities 11 and 12 didn't happen this month. So wow. Wow. We can say how much we value it, but if it doesn't make the short list, um, no wonder we're having problems. Exactly. So we were trying to figure out as a team, you know, what the di- what is the disconnect and mm-hmm. what can we do to serve leaders? Well, one thing we realized, culture is an unseen force. Yeah. So yeah. Right off the bat, it's what you mentioned a moment ago. We said we've got to help leaders get a handle on that. So that yeah. would be that would be step one. And so we said we're going to define it. And we said cu- culture, it's the cumulative effect of what people see, hear, experience and believe. OK, say that again. That's it, a big it's, the cumul- it's the cumulative effect mm-hmm. of what people see, hear, experience and believe. Hmm. which excites me because who in an organization has the most influence on what people see, hear, experience, and believe? Yeah. It's the leader. Exactly. Like it, it's, it's, it's exactly the it's, people who feel like they can't do something. Right. Now, so even with a definition in hand, we said that's not going to close this gap. Yeah. And, and I would say there are two 
primary reasons that gap exists. And one, I'm only going to mention in passing because it's unless you want to go here, it's not what we're talking about today. And I would argue it might be the number one reason we don't have data on that. So I want to I want to be careful. But I think leaders globally are in quicksand. Mm. which is what I wrote about in my last book. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, um, it sounds familiar, but yeah, say, say okay. a bit more for those who don't know. Okay, it's the, yeah. short version. It's, it's the busyness, it's the complexity, it's yeah. the distractions, it's the fear, it's the fatigue. Mm-hmm. See, leaders mm-hmm. in quicksand aren't thinking about culture. <laughs> yeah. They're thinking about survival. Yeah, seriously. And yeah. here's the pro- here there are a lot of problems with quicksand. You'll never do your best work there uh at, at as a bare minimum and in fact you you may just die. If if not <laughs> literally your hopes and your dreams yeah, can be yeah. extinguished in the quicksand. But here's the other thing. If you're in quicksand, you can't help others out. Oh, yeah. Which probably means the people around you are in quicksand. Mm. And if everybody's in quicksand, nobody's working on culture. Well, as the leader goes, so goes the organization, right? I mean, you, you, right. if you're struggling, it, it's almost certainly not easier for them, which, okay. Right. That is a fascinating conversation. I will say, for those who've not, this is from your book. If I'm recognizing this smart leadership, which is one of your best, that's uh, saying something. I like a lot of your stuff, but. Okay, so if they're curious and they feel that, like I'd say, check out Mark's other right, book. But let me give you one more step. Okay. If you, like, if, if you want to go there, you can text Be Smart nice. with no space. Yep. Be Smart. Like the letter smart or B E? B E S M A R T. Be Got Smart it. to 66866. 66866. And what, is and what you'll get a free assessment. To tell you what are your next steps to get out of quicksand. That is awesome. Okay. So, okay. There you go. That's one reason a lot of leaders aren't working on culture is they're in survival mode. But there are a lot of leaders who aren't in quicksand Mm -hmm. who aren't working on culture. Okay. And so we said, what do we do with that? And we found our inspiration from the Navy SEALs. And you and I have actually talked about this. Anytime Mm -hmm. I'm studying anything, we're at least going to check in with the SEALs. Yeah, they know a couple of things about high performance. And and in this case, their inspiration was uh, tendential at best. So a few years back, you may have actually heard this story. The SEALs sat down. They wanted to document their mantra. And they said they realized they had been moving at the speed of war, which I thought is an interesting concept. We yeah. could talk more about the speed yeah. of war. I said, it's kind of like what a lot of leaders are going through, except people are shooting at you. It's like it's <laughs> a whole different thing there. Yeah, right. and not, so, not metaphorically shooting at you, right? Exactly. <laughs> so they said they wanted to document their mantra to serve the next generation of seals. Mm-hmm. The first thing they wrote down, The first thing they wrote down is shoot, move, and communicate. Hmm. Shoot, move, communicate. Now, here's their deal on that. That's Hmm. not all you need to know to be a SEAL. Fair, fair. But it is the essence of what you need to survive to fight another day. Interesting. So our team went to work and said, can we find the leader's equivalent Mm -hmm. as you think about culture. What is 
shoot, move, and communicate for leaders who want to build culture. Because you think about the power, the clarity, the brevity, the timelessness. These three things will help you if you're a SEAL. Mm-hmm. Is there a list for leaders? And we said yes. Okay. I was going to say, I'm hoping the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't set all that up to say no. That would be quite a story. Let me give it to you really quick, and then we'll go wherever you want to go. Uh, three culture rules. Mm-hmm. The first rule is to aspire. Okay. The leader must share their hopes and dreams for their culture. Hmm. Now, that sounds obvious. We even debated, do we have to include that? We met far too many leaders who could not articulate their aspiration for their culture. Yeah, And some would say, it's in my head, it's in my heart. And I said, it can start there, but it can't stay there. Because yeah. you actually can't create it by yourself. You've got, to, you've got to rally others to make it a reality so it can't stay in your head and your heart. So yeah. rule one, aspire. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, again, to, to add a layer, like it's, it's not just an internal aspiration, it's an articulated aspiration, right? It's, it's, it's when you share your hopes and dreams. And I will say this also calls back to that survival challenge, right? Because if, uh, if you're in, if your hopes and dreams are just not to die, that's probably not going to be strong enough or clear enough to create the kind of culture you're looking for here. So you, you may need to catch your breath and give yourself a chance to dream a little bit. Um, and then share. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It starts with us. All right, And there's more we can say there. If you want to circle back to it, the second rule is to amplify, Mm -hmm. to amplify, to always be looking for ways to reinforce the aspiration. Okay. People actually have to believe that you're serious. And this is not a flavor of the month and that we're actually going to do this. And I love the word amplify because there's so much noise in the world. A a cultural aspiration can be quickly drowned out unless the leader is looking for ways to make it more prominent, more prevalent, more persistent. And so the second rule is to amplify yeah, absolutely. Um, I I remember. I think it was you that first told me this, but the uh, the pattern, like if you haven't said it seven times, they haven't started listening, right? And uh, I think it was you as well who also was the. I, this, I've said this to my team a lot when we talk. To, we're help we help culture change and impact and you know operational stuff, and and we say, how do you know when we've said it enough? Uh, when they kind of roll their eyes and they can finish your sentence and. You know, with almost as annoying, then then as a leader, you may have amplified it enough. This is not a one-time statement. There's there's an innate repetition there that humans need. I mean, it's just we don't get things one time and move on. So, okay, that's awesome. We yeah. may come back, but what's the third one? Aspire, amplify. Right. Before I give you the third one, I want to say a lot of leaders at this moment are in a very precarious spot. Hmm. Because here, here's what we know, and some some of your listeners know this from experience, that if you have a clear aspiration and you amplify it well, the culture will move toward the aspiration. Yeah. It will happen. And leaders, you and I and the folks listening, we love to get things done. We love mm-hmm. to check things off. We love to move on. You can't check off culture. Hmm. Because even though 
you'll, you'll see positive signs. Well, congratulations. You can't stop. Because here's what happens. A lot of leaders, they do something worse than stopping. They move into protection mode oh. and they want to shrink wrap their culture. And when you do, you suffocate, you kill it. Yeah. So the third rule is to adapt. Hmm. You have to constantly be working to enhance your culture. Yeah. Now, just a quick word about enhance, because I've gotten feedback. That I'm going to share a couple of things that aren't even in the book, because nice. you know how this works. After you write a book and you get it out there, people start asking you questions. So <laughs> should you must. talked about this? Why didn't you include that? I went, well, I didn't think about it. And so I've got a little yeah. new content here. So in the book, we say the number one priority of a leader when you're adapting is to identify and eliminate toxins. I referenced mm. those earlier, yep, yep. because they'll kill your organization. Oh, yeah. First priority, we wrote about it in the book. There's a whole chapter in there uh, on toxins and countermeasures, and that, mm -hmm. that all matters, and that's important. But let's, let's assume that the level of toxicity is not at the point that it requires an intervention. Yeah, yeah. You're managing it well. You're keeping on top of it. So you might say, oh, good, so we don't have to adapt. No, 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 no. There are two other domains mm. for you to be looking at. One is are there strengths that you can double down on? Oh. Because that would be an enhancement to your culture. Right, right. Okay, and maybe there's something that makes sense. And it would create competitive advantage for mm -hmm. you to be even better at hospitality or yeah. execution or whatever you're great right, at. Right. But let's say there's nothing that really comes to mind there. That's cool. The third domain is the one that I hear no one talking about, and it's adding new capabilities at the cultural level. So let me give you an example. And you remember this. It's about 15 years ago when Dan Cathy said, hey, I think we need to be more innovative. Oh, yeah. Well, we're no strangers to innovation. True, Cathy invented the chicken sandwich, right? <laughs> yeah, right. But if you looked at the early history, innovation was somewhat sporadic mm -hmm. and scattered. Mm -hmm. And Dan had this thought, hey, it'd be good if as a people, as a culture, as an organization, we were more innovative. So this is the area he's thinking we might enhance the culture. In essence, now he has um, he's modified the aspiration. He's added to it. We began to do a lot of things. You recall oh, yeah. training and staffing and facilities. Mm -hmm. I so was that we heavily involved in all these efforts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So what that does is it amplifies the aspiration. Oh, Dan is serious about this. Yeah. We're actually going to do this. And here we are 15 years later. I would argue as a culture, we're much more innovative than we were. Agreed. And I, I would I'll just kind of lean in on this one because I'm I think there's a beautiful leadership moment that relates to culture here because I remember being a part of these discussions and I are the first instinct of the leadership team at, at Chick-fil-A at the time was Dan, we're really glad you're innovative. Like your dad, you just keep innovating. We'll just keep executing, right? Like this plan's working. And, and by all measures, it was working pretty well. And to, and to be fair, Dan is pretty dadgum innovative. Like it's, it's not like we decided to get innovative because we, we ran out of innovators at the top. It was, it was the insight of Dan as a leader to say, there's a difference between having uh, innovators and an innovative culture. 
we had some a handful of individuals, Dan being one of them, that like these guys come up with lots of crazy ideas. We like that. Versus like, what if it was a culture of innovation? And that discussion is a different thing. Even the the a lot of times I think people solve that one with like, hey, let's put our own skunk works team together, right? We'll put all our crazies in one building and let them do it. And the rest of us, and that that's not necessarily it can't work, but but again, the power of an innovative culture where it is normal for teams to think of new things and tweak things and push down the road further. And, you know, like yeah. all groups, we're still learning on it. But I would say I saw significant changes in the culture of innovation. And and yeah, it, it was not something that, I mean, broadly speaking, I'm going to way oversimplify, but you had a few innovators and a large group of executors and that was the culture. And they added something that I think's um in in a at least a dozen ways I can immediately think of that they came straight out of that. Um sure. And to to help codify it and reinforce it. You may remember back in the day we had a core value called the continuous improvement. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we we don't anymore. The the new core value that replaced it is we pursue what's next. Yes. Yes. Which was a nod to innovation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's, we've it's actually total... closed the loop. Yes. We've closed the loop and we've now officially codified that in our cultural aspiration by making it one of our core values. Now, you might argue, and I could argue, we didn't have to do that, but that's a nice way to put a bow on it. Yeah, exactly. Because then when you bring new people in, they're not trying to figure out that we're innovative. You're just telling them. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's a pretty cool thing when you get to the place where you can honestly say, this is just one of our big deals. Uh, we we do this and welcome to the team. And it, it starts trickling into like now we're hiring people who resonate with that. And then you can reward for that and all the things that come. But mm-hmm. but again, I'll, I'll, let's go back to where you started here, because I think this might be a moment of of significant encouragement for somebody who's listening right now. That was not a part of the culture. And this was not a a new startup organization that um, was like, hey, we're all figuring this out and it's all wet cement. Like this was a multi-decade, highly successful organization. And honestly, in my experience, that's the hardest group to change. The ones that are successful don't feel the burning motivation to fix things, right? It's like, hey, we already got this thing figured out. And so even in this like long running, uh, the staff have been around forever, everything's working, you can change. Your culture is not uh, something you're stuck with. Um, you can add things. Not only can you remove toxins, if you truly believe you need something or you you hunger to be something in order to, to reach your dreams, you know, it, it may take a while. We didn't make this culture shift in a few months. I mean, this was a multi-year process, and I I would dare say we're still working on it. But but we got critical mass. It, I'm going to make this up. I got maybe three years went from like that early conversation to a place where you could say we see evidence of this in pretty much every department, every major group, and and it, you know steadily trickled out and became part of the lexicon and. But but all that say like it can be done even when the most um, uh, stacked deck against you you can change your culture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So okay, let me go back and maybe we'll finish with some of this, Mark. Amplify right. So let's assume somebody's uh, got some concept. They got it. They're, they've got a vision for it. They're willing to tweak and adapt and either deal toxins or add stuff or find strengths. 
I think your your metaphor, like your your challenge that we have to keep doing this is so critical. The the example that comes to my mind, it's like being um physically healthy, right? You you can't exercise once, check the box and be like, did it? Like I, I did my exercise, I'm done. Now, if you want to stay physically healthy and moving around, you got to keep your body moving. And, and there's, you know, but there's a dozen different ways to do it. But but how? I, I find again to play with to push my metaphor a little further. I found in my life, and I've seen in others too, that that finding the kind of exercise that fits you versus trying to imitate somebody else's exercise can sometimes be the difference between a pattern I'm willing to continue and one I'm not. So I wonder if you could just give us some of the various methods and tools that you've seen so that people can continue to amplify this. How do you flesh this out? What what do I say? What do I do? What are the the ways that leaders go back and underline and highlight and call back to this. Um, and, and again, I'm doing, I'd love three or four examples at least so that so people can say, ah, that one doesn't fit me, but you know what, that one, I could do that with my team. So how do they do this? Okay. Great, great question. So let me, let me start with the number one recommendation that our team came up with out of a three-year project. Awesome. I don't. I don't know that this is the best one, but it's the one that leaders cannot ignore. Mm. Is role modeling. Huh. People always watch the leader. Yeah. Yeah. Whether we want them to or not. So you're a history buff. Uh, let me let me share you a quick story. You may know this story. Uh, you know a lot about Alexander the Great. Some of your listeners may not, but when he was 22, he began a 10-year campaign to conquer the known world. I guess that was in 323-ish. Check me on that. And uh, he had core values. If you go back and read, if you put a modern lens on, on his exploits, yeah, you would clearly walk away and go, oh, he had at least a couple of core values. Courage and bravery were at the top of his list. And so well, how do you know? He talked about it all the time. He talked about it all the time. Yeah. He, he showed his soldiers his wounds. You know, it's courage and bravery, courage and bravery. Uh, he even reportedly told them, you'll never die with an arrow in your back mm. because we will never retreat. Yeah. Okay. So he had core values, right? But. Historians, some are baffled at his success. He beat many armies that were much larger than mm-hmm. his. Mm-hmm. It's like if, if you think of it in a boxing metaphor, they they punched way above their weight class. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's at least one theory as to why that was true. Because he had a habit of leading every charge himself. Yes. He showed his men what bravery and courage looked like. Mm-hmm. There's some speculation that those men, they they weren't fighting for their country and they weren't fighting for a cause. They were actually fighting for their leader who was right there with them. Oh, I, and... I love this partly because I do love Alexander the Great stories. They're crazy. But I remember one time a battle was going poorly 
So Alexander gets up and they're trying to siege, like counter over a wall, get inside a city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he actually gets over the wall and kicks the ladder away and like puts himself in the city to okay. keep fighting because yeah. not only is he on yeah. the front line, guess what? It went from a, a potential loss to a huge rally because they were coming for their brave leader. Like they're not, I'm not okay. letting him go over the wall, not me. Let me. Let me give you a little more context. That was eight years into the to his mm-hmm. deal. The, that were the Malians, uh, modern day Turkey. And the story, as I have heard it, is he was dissatisfied with the pace. Yes. And so he took the ladder from his men. Yes. He went up first. He's fighting hand to hand on top of the wall. They then rushed the ladder and destroyed it because they were all trying to go yeah, up. Exactly. That's he right. Then That's right. Had a choice to make. Instead of jumping back out, he jumped in. 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 He jumped in. Yes. And of course, they went and got another ladder, came over the wall, came in, rescued him. In fact, that was the worst injury of mm-hmm. his career. Mm-hmm. Near mortal. They found him with his back up against a tree fighting when they went over, but he had an arrow in his side that had gone in just below his breastplate. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, people always watch the leader. Yeah. yeah. What are they learning about your cultural aspiration by watching you? Mm-hmm. That yeah. is the number one thing that leaders can do. You've got to walk the talk. I, I'll throw a couple of examples. This is really, uh, really vivid for me right now. As I mentioned, I think we started this. I'm, I've got my oldest graduating from high school and uh probably some of the best parenting advice I got. There's no tricks. There's no techniques. I've gotten a couple of great ones from you over the years of practices, but the best fundamental thing is, are you the adult that you want your children to become? And and if not work on that, and that will trickle down into helping them become better humans. Um, And I say all that to say like, yeah, I've seen this. I mean, everything from seeing Truett Kathy pick up trash everywhere we went I never once got a lecture from Truett or Dan or you or any of the other executives that did it. But dagnabbit, if I can't walk past a piece of trash now, like I got to stop. I'm sorry. I'm in the airport. I got hands full of bags. I got to stop and throw that thing away um, because the leader modeled it. Um, I've seen you step into rooms and the way you ask questions caused me to ask different questions. And you you didn't ever sit me down and say, hey, Scott, what's the three questions you're bringing into a meeting? But now I do because, because I'm just so used to Well, we better start with a good question. Leaders modeling it is changed my life. And I, I think it's, um, it's important, not just that leaders believe it, but they find a way to visibly live this out. Like, how do you do this in front of your team? What are the, maybe even um, inefficient or unreasonable think Alexander the great, right? Like, why? Is this really the most important? You could argue, is this true at Kathy, right? Is it really strategic for him to stop and wipe tables and pick up trash? And from a, from a you know, per hour standpoint, there probably are bigger strategy discussions he could have. But from a culture standpoint, man, that modeling was more powerful than any of the big, you know, strategy, financial people sessions he could have had. Leaders modeling yeah. it way underrated. Yep. Yep. So that's our, that's our number one recommendation. I love how to amplify. I'll give you one more uh, and that's storytelling. And you know, the power Mm -hmm. of storytelling Yeah. Uh, for 30,000 years, people have been telling stories and, and there's a reason that that uh, form of communication has survived. Yeah. And if you'll tell stories, 
about the people who are making your aspiration real, you will get more of those behaviors. It was Plato that said what is honored in a country is cultivated there. You start honoring people through storytelling and and you will move toward your aspiration. Yeah, I, I think this one is a fundamental human truth. Um, it, it's both how we make meaning of the world. Um, it creates heroes that people respond to. Uh, and it's one of those things that's so easy for, for leaders to do. I mean, I, yeah, I just did this with my team. I was just thinking about this. I I Somebody did something great and I could have just said, Hey, thank you, which I end up did. But what I way I did it was I did an email to the rest of the team and say, Hey, everybody, I want to call out what she just did. It was great. Thank you for the great mm-hmm. work you did. And you you tell the little one paragraph story. Um, and no single story is gonna like turn the culture around overnight, but a pattern of them, like exercise, right? Uh yeah, capturing and telling stories again and mm-hmm. again and again. I I totally resonate with that. What else? What other other options? You can- <laughs> Let Do me, it yourself. Let me you, you can tell stories of how other people are doing it. Yeah, let me give you another one. And this was fun. One of the things about this particular project is we went really uh, broad and deep. And we talked to leaders from some of the world's great organizations. Nice. It was really fun globally. We, we scoured the planet and talked to Love lots it. of people. And we were on a call with a leader from a senior leader from Netflix. Mm-hmm. who worked in Asia. <clears throat> and I asked them, or I asked this individual, I said, how often do you talk about culture? And it was a weird moment. It was almost like he didn't understand the question or he looked puzzled or confused. And he finally said, well, every day. Huh. And I said, you talk about the culture every day? He said every leader at Netflix talks about the culture or some aspect of it every day. He said, it's the most important thing. Mm, he said, mm. why wouldn't you talk about the culture every day? So one thing I'm encouraging wow. leaders and starting with myself, you know, how often am I talking about the culture? I literally was just asking <laughs> that question. Like, huh, that may have raised the bar on me a bit there, Mark. <laughs> well, catch this. It was, it was as if I had a flashback, which I'm at that age. I don't know what you call those anymore. <laughs> um, I had a global leader. I would argue one of the best leaders on the planet 15 years ago hmm. flashed into my mind. He suggested that you talk about the culture in every meeting. Wow. And I said, I said, I remember, I remember the conversation, but I had not thought about it in 15 years. It just kind of came rushing back. And he said, if it hasn't come up, then that's how you close the meeting. Uh Linking, linking whatever you just talked about to how it's going to help you create the, the aspiration that you've established for your organization. And then he said, and if you can't link it back, why were you talking about? <laughs> that's right. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair point, right? Because if, if it legitimately doesn't help us get there, then uh, this may not have been a good use of the hour. So it was so funny how this wow. unfolded for me personally. So I got off the call thinking about once a day is a high bar. And then I had these mm-hmm. this flashback mm-hmm. about, yeah, once in every meeting, 
is is another bar, right? Another yeah. bar. And so I think my counsel to leaders is how much are you talking about the culture? Hmm. How often, what kind of strategic repetition are you purposefully and consciously using? And I don't know, I don't even, I mean, I I don't want to make excuses for leaders. And and I wrote about this in the book. We were interviewing a CEO as part of this work. And he said he had shared with us all this great work they had done on refreshing their vision and mission and values is over a hundred year old organization, big organization, successful organization. And it it was impressive. They had done real good work. Yeah. And so he said he needed to excuse himself early from our meeting. And of course he had been very gracious and yes, sir. You know, thank you for the time. He said, I get to go do orientation for new employees. And I said, fantastic. I said, I assume you're going to share with them the stuff you just shared with us. He said, the thought never crossed my mind. Wow. Wow. I'm sitting there going, what? So it comes back to purposeful, strategic. I'm not even asking leaders to add a bunch of stuff to your (laughs) plate. I'm saying as you go, the talks you give, the meetings you're in, the emails you write. Mm -hmm. Can you link this stuff back and just help people understand through that repetition that you are, in fact, serious about the aspiration? That is its own form of amplification. Mm -hmm. And Yeah, I mean, I I realize so I I have not been putting it in every meeting bar raised. Um, I do have it in my email signature. And in fact, every six months, I change the way I say it a little bit so that it doesn't get. Yeah. I'm not sure that counts. I'm not Uh, sure that counts. I was trying to get some points here, Mark. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I mean, I mean, okay, thank you. I mean, you thought of that and others have not thought about that. But even after they read it the first time, it's probably Walmart. They're not reading my email signature. That's the truth. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but it's this like, here's what I will say. I've I've literally, the meeting one is striking home. I'm going to be doing that. Um, I've been talking about it in our monthly staff meetings, but I have not talked about it on the the regular weekly conversations i've not used it as a closer for like that's such an easy thing i do storytelling that one i do um in addition to the regular meeting stuff i send a monthly thing out and highlight two or three folks who've done great but but the that one last layer of bringing it in and here's what i'm gonna i love most about it it's a it's a challenge to me but none of this is going to require a new tool no extra money this is not a special technique that i need a, an expert outsider to help me figure out this is, again, maybe back to my metaphor. It's just like exercise. We all know how to exercise. I mean, yes, you can get to the point where you can buy really cool gyms or have a trainer. And, and if folks want that, we can talk about you know how to connect you and do more of that stuff. But but to get started, all of us know how to walk around the block. All of us know how to, to do some basic you know leg exercises, sitting in a chair even. I mean, it's not it's not what what's holding us back is not that this is reserved only for the elite few. It is a daily discipline that we can all do. But let me say this, and I agree with everything you just said for some leaders, and this won't connect with you, but for some leaders, they've not done the work of articulating Mm -hmm. clearly and succinctly the aspiration. So they don't know what to refer to. (laughs) Yes. That's a, it's a huge prerequisite. If you, Maybe, maybe that would be where you would get somebody to come help you and say, how do I 
put this in words and phrases that matter to people. Yeah. Well, people have asked me, is rule one the most important? And I said, they're all three essential. Yeah. But rule one is the first among equals. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's it's uh, without it, you don't even have the option of the other two. Right. Yeah. Whereas you could you could do a halfway job of the other two if you had the first one. But but if you don't have something to share, then yeah, yeah. what stories are you going to tell? Here's the test. The final test on the aspiration. Yeah. Yeah. Is it clear, simple and repeatable? Oh, good. Is it clear, simple and repeatable? Now, you can have layers underneath it. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Yeah, Just yeah. Further you can have a, illuminate and amplify. Right, right. More examples, uh, more details. Yeah. Andrew Cathy is our new CEO. Mm-hmm. And he spoke this year at our annual event. We spent three days unpacking this culture content with all of our restaurant operators and all of our staff. Nice. And he stood up and he said, our cultural aspiration is to be rooted in purpose mm. and known for our care. Ooh. Well, we've got a corporate purpose. Great. And we yeah. have a mission to be the world's most caring company. Yeah. Well, but he said, here's the aspiration and there's stuff. On, oh, we've got core values underneath that. Oh, Tell yeah, yeah. There's understand the behaviors. Mm-hmm. But, but, but can you say it in a way that's clear, simple and repeatable? Here's what Drucker said. And I found this after I wrote the book, Peter Drucker, for those that don't know, you need to you need to check out Peter Drucker, greatest management and leadership thinker of the last 2000 years. Uh-huh. He said, if you can't put your mission on a T-shirt, you don't have it yet. Ah, that's good. If you can't put your mission on a T-shirt, you don't. And this is Drucker was uh, long before the Internet era of quick and easy T-shirts like that's yet again. He's ahead of the curve. Um, That's the source of the Nile on all (laughs) the leadership stuff. Yes, he is. For sure. Mark, this has been fascinating, fun, uh, frankly, challenging. Dang it. I've got to raise my own bar here. Um, And I think really, really fruitful. Thank you so much for your time. If folks want to get more, we talked briefly about that one book, but that you've got many books that that you want to talk about drilling into details. And you've got other resources from assessments to web stuff that people can go get signed up for, blogs and all this. How, how do people find you if they want to follow further and get in? All right. Get in two, two quick things. One, leadeveryday.com. Leadeveryday.com. Got it. Um, so it looks like a this, book. And I'll put all this in the show notes for anybody who wants. Yeah. So, it yeah. looks like a book site because we're rebuilding it right now. But there's a there's a store there that has all those resources you just referenced. So leadeveryday.com. The new site should be up in the next 45 days. Um but but more importantly, let me give everybody my cell number. Wow. If you want to call or text, yeah. Th- that's fantastic. The number is 678 612 8441. 678 612 8441. And it'd be my pleasure to connect with you. I, and let me just say, I mean, I, I just quickly checked just. I'm pretty sure of this, but guys, I've known Mark for a long, long time. I have his personal cell. That's his personal cell. This is not like a, a separate line that he just, uh, you know, puts a team member on and he calls it his cell phone. Um, it's pretty remarkable, Mark. Thanks for inviting folks in and sharing that with them. Yeah. 
Well, it's great to be with you. I'm excited about all that's going on in your world. And Thank I can't you. wait to read your new book. Yeah, well, coming out this October, it'll be fun. But Mark, thanks. Hey, maybe we'll have you back to unpack some of your other books and insights you've had. Always awesome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak. If you want to hear more of my thoughts on life and leadership, you might want to sign up for my weekly newsletter at www.scottwozniak.com slash upgrade. That's S-C-O-T-T-W-O-Z-N-I-A-K dot com slash upgrade. You'll get a cool quote, a deep thought, and a recommendation for something that I use and love. It's not long, and it should be fun. The theme is similar to this podcast, but it's not the same content. And if you're a leader who wants to build a legendary brand, you can check out my company's website to learn how we can help at www.swazconsulting.com. That's S-W-O-Z consulting.com. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine.